Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, we got a great topic. We're talking about eliminating detention and delighting drivers with Eric Moline. Welcome, Eric. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Eric. I've known Eric, I think, probably going on 10 years. I have always been super impressed with him. I met him when he was at Carrier Direct. Actually, I think we had coffee one time when you were driving through Michigan, and he always has his finger on the pulse of what's going on in this industry, especially on the tech end of this thing in recent years. Very smart guy. I think you guys will be very happy to hear from Eric. So thank you so much for joining today. You're too kind, Joe. Thank you very much for all of that. <laughs> thank you. So this is an exciting topic because I think we've, over time, we've been talking about how do we make life better for drivers? How do we stop being abusive or neglectful to their needs as business people, but also as just people? So anything we can do to make their life a little better is going to be good for business. And I think also, as we're talking, we'll get into this in a moment, we're talking about how do we get a little more efficient and effective about picking up and dropping off. So Eric, before we get into all that, please introduce yourself and your company. Sure. So my name is Eric Moline. As you'd said earlier, I'm the head of operations for Baton. We're a technology company based out of San Francisco, and we're currently operating in Los Angeles right now. Our vision is no wasted time in trucking. We, we do that by dividing long-haul trucking into two segments. First being, obviously, the, the major OTR portion, and then the last part being either a, uh, or I guess the first part of the scenario, either a, a pickup last mile or first mile, or a delivery last mile or first mile. And you, when you say OTR, you mean over the road, right? I do, yes. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I, always, I always think that there's so many acronyms that I figure, yeah, all, the stuff that we kind of go, yeah, that's an easy one. Somebody else is going, what the hell did they talk about? Anyway, Eric, before we get into the topic, please talk a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Uh, you know, some career highlights before you joined uh, Baton. Sure. So I went to school at Michigan State University. Go Green. I, Go white. Um, I just saw recently that they, uh, you know, they, they were fortunate enough to be named number one school for supply chain again. It's pretty exciting. Admittedly, I didn't get my supply chain degree there. So I just had Jason Miller on here. That guy's brilliant. Yeah, he he was on here. He's a professor at Michigan State, and I had him on here, and he was, yeah, he is brilliant. I'm going to do another podcast with him. I'm very excited. We talked a little bit about some topics that are near and dear to me that he's going to help me out with. So brilliant guy and great supply chain school, and it's about 45 minutes from my house. So. You know, I, I always feel like there at some point there has to be an end to the insanely intelligent things that he posts on LinkedIn, but it just doesn't stop. It just keeps coming. I'm, I'm just, I'm always blown away at like the more and more and more that he yeah. has. Yeah, you guys, if you, this is a separate topic, but if you want a really good follow on LinkedIn, follow Jason Miller, and he's a professor at MSU, and I think he calls himself a supply chain economist, and he looks at the whole economy with supply chain numbers. Boy, he just knows how to crunch those numbers and turn it into a story that makes some sense. It's, it's truly great. Talk a little bit about you. So you said you went to Michigan State and you studied finance. I did. Yep. After I was at Michigan State, I joined the company Carrier Direct right out of school, which is a consulting company. It's a strategy firm that works with logistics companies on you know a lot of things like growth strategies. And you know, while we were there, I was fortunate enough to work with companies like Werner, Worldwide Express, Blue Grace Logistics. 
And, you know, they've since taken that company, they've, you know, they've added more tech sort of offerings to their repertoire, if you will. So really great over there. Met some really great people, particularly Joel Klum, who's now the, the CEO of World Express, is a great mentor of mine, and Jet McCandless, who's the CEO of Project 44. And I mentioned those two people in particular because they were both just super fundamental in sort of my shaping of the, the views of my industry, of the industry, excuse me, and the sort of the belief in operations and then tech and the combination of those. Right. And I, I told, I saw, I talked to Ryan Schreiber the night before last and I told him I was having you on the podcast. He says, Oh yeah, I know Eric. Yeah. So he was very excited to hear that you were coming on the podcast and excited to hear about your new venture that you're working on. So lots of smart folks over there. <laughs> Ryan is, Ryan is great. We didn't overlap, but yeah, he's an awesome guy. He's good people. Yeah. After Carrie Direct, I, I went to AFN for a bit. I was responsible for strategy and then broad change management initiatives. From there, I went and joined LoadSmart, where I was the VP of operations and led their operations through a pretty drastic hockey stick sort of growth curve. That was a ton of fun. Learned a lot. Really, really great people at LoadSmart. You know, I can't say how great I think that that company is and, and how cool some of the things that they're doing are. They're, they're really, really cutting edge. And then I had an opportunity to join Baton, which is where I am now. Excellent, excellent. We'll get into more about Baton in a minute, but today's topic is eliminating detention and delighting drivers. Before we even get into what that means, define detention. Sure. So we focus on detention in, in even the most broad of sense, where it's not just detention from the traditional definition of it, where you know a, a driver is at a shipper for longer or is kept at a shipper or a receiver for longer than their quote-unquote free two hours, and you'll see why later I sort of quote-unquote free. But you know, they're kept at a shipper receiver for longer than they're allotted two hours for loading or unloading. We think of dwell and we expand it beyond detentions by also evaluating the time that isn't considered free, but is really necessary in supply chain. In that if you have a, you know, if you're transporting a load, let's say from North Carolina to Los Angeles, the likelihood that your driver lands exactly on the minute at that receiver or that shipper is really low, which means in order to be on time and to provide good service, you actually need to plan several hours ahead because things happen and it's a long length of haul. And so there's also frequently, there's a lot of time where drivers will get to a facility several hours, many hours in many scenarios before the actual appointment that they have and they're just made to wait, but they're not paid for it. And, you know, and that's a huge part of that waste as well. Right. And, you know, it's interesting when we talk about detention and we talk about, you know, this free time and dwell, all the kind of the same thing. It's a driver waiting around. And I've said this, you know, when we were prepping for this, if I was to drive from my house in Michigan already to see you in Chicago and you weren't there or you said, yeah, wait in the car for an hour or two, it'd be like, well, we're no longer friends. Screw you. Right. But we do that to drivers on a regular basis and just say, that's just how it is. And, but the reason it's been that way is because we couldn't plan more precisely or we didn't plan more precisely. And if you're trying to take cost out of a system, and that's what we're always trying to do, this is a great way to do it because we're also, ideally, drivers are doing what they do best, which is drive, not sit. And ideally, they can get home when they need to get home or get to a hotel or a motel or wherever they're going to sleep that night. And what we've been doing doesn't work for drivers. We know that because they are quitting in droves and we can't get anyone else to come into their space. Stan is getting off my soapbox right now. No, I, I, I was going to let you have the time because if I jump on the soapbox, I'll be on there for even longer. Everything you said is happening completely true. I mean, I, even to your point around the fact that you know, if, if someone were to arrive at your house, you, know, you wouldn't be friends if you made them wait for an hour. You know, maybe that person's really forgiving. But the thing is that it's two hours that's free right. considered on every single order. 
And I mean, if even just, let's say that a driver's not going to have a same day straight through where it's going to be, you know, a pickup and delivery in the same day, just that two hours is a material amount of that driver's time where they can be earning money because they can't be earning money during another part of that day. Right. And it's mind blowing to me that we just take advantage of the fact that like, that's their opportunity to make money and we're literally eating it. Right. And on top of that, you know, when we got the ELD came in, we started realizing we started having some more data on that and we, and it became quantified, like how much time we're wasting. But also it became clear that some places were better than others. And the people who are better than others are going to get drivers saying, I'm interested in that lane. I'm interested in working with that customer because they treat me better. They respect my time. They let me unload quickly when I get there as opposed to, hey, do you mind sitting in the parking lot? It's not like you didn't sit in the truck for eight hours that day. Yeah, sure, I'll sit in the parking lot for two more hours or sit in some factory or distribution center. It's just not the right way to treat people and it's a waste of money also. It is. It really is. So there's, to what you said, there's a humane component of it. And then there's a wasted money component right. of it, which is, is huge. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But yep. before we get into kind of the solution to this, let's talk about why this is bad for three groups. The first group is carriers. And if you feel like it, go ahead and group drivers and carriers into one. But talk about why this, what we do with the dwell and the detention is bad for drivers and carriers. Sure. So the most obvious that, you know, that we discuss when we're talking with not only our customers, but with prospects is the wasted, really the missed opportunities. You know, if a driver is detained and let's say that, you know, they're detained for an additional hour, so three hours of waiting time, that means that they're not able to then take those three hours and use that as if they were driving, right? And that's if the stars were actually aligned. If the stars aren't perfectly right. aligned, then the likelihood is that they'll just miss their next pickup appointment. And if that shipper facility won't load that driver because they missed their first pickup appointment, then that's a much larger portion of missed opportunity because then you're not discussing or, you know, you're not thinking about, you know, the number of miles that you'd be traveling times the, the rate per mile that carrier would be earning, but you're instead then missing the entire monetary value of that load that you would have been able to get under. And you can't because of the missed opportunity because of detention and just dwell time. So that's the missed opportunity side of things. There's also yep. a more macro level, which, you know, when we think about, for example, let's take all of the number of trucks that you have in your network. And let's say that, you know, it's, it's a thousand for simple math and your drivers are waiting on average for three hours. That is 3000 hours a day. If your drivers are all bumping a dock one per day, it's 3000 hours a day that your network is losing at a gross level, which is mind blowing. Wow. It's absolutely <laughs> staggering. So that you can think about it from the one driver missing this opportunity, the stars not aligning. But the thing is, if you think about it then at a network level, it, what that truly means is one, there's a, a significant amount of waste that's occurring. But then two, if you can eliminate that, you, I wouldn't even say you artificially expand your capacity, but you just, you actually unlock that much more of your capacity as a carrier. And everybody knows that capacity is the hot thing right now. I mean, it is always, but especially right, right now when the market's as tight as it is. Right. And you know, this, this is another thing that we're not unable to quantify, but I think you will be able to at some point is will drivers be more likely to stay on the job or more likely to want to be on a job where they are on the road earning money as opposed to sitting. Because I think there's a certain amount of turnover and a certain amount of recruiting problems that are occur because I don't want to waste my time with you guys. And I, and drivers know which are good lanes and which are good customers and which ones are the wasteful ones that make them sit. Absolutely, they do. Someone might even think, well, you know, drivers don't hit all these facilities, but they, the, one of the best places that I actually that we use as a resource for understanding facility tendencies and tricks and tips and whatnot to work with certain facilities is Google reviews. Drivers use that all the time. They use they leave reviews, and you'll see that the places that are good 
have some reviews. The places that are bad have all of the reviews. <laughs> Interesting. So it's, it's pretty visible too what facilities aren't doing well. It's like it really shouldn't be any sort of surprise to any shipper if you're running into issues. Interesting. Interesting. So you just talked about why it's bad for carriers. You talk a little bit about why it's bad for drivers. Yeah. So the more obvious one, in my opinion, first is the the lost income. You know, drivers, except for in certain states, California being one of them, for example, you know, drivers make money by driving. In California, for example, you know, if you're based in California, you you know, you have an hourly, you know, drivers are hourly, but across the country and, and long haul drivers, they're paid based on the number of miles that they cover. Which means that if you're not driving, you're not being paid. Now, you know, sometimes frequently drivers get some cut of detention, but the flip side is that that still doesn't even kind of compare to the amount of money that they would make because that detention, again, remember, kicks in at the third hour, not in the first two hours. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they want to make money that way. (laughs) Right. And the really experienced drivers are ones where, you know, they figure out they're going to be at this facility. It's going to be this time. And so they plan ahead in order to, you know, sort of time their breaks, or maybe they're going to take lunch or what have you. But that still doesn't change the fact that they're doing it because they're working around this existing rock of waste in the system. So that's the first part is the missed income. The second part, then is just the, I'm gonna refer to as like the humanity component. We talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, Joe, but if you, if someone were to show up, at some place and you're to say, okay, great. Thanks for being here. I'll be with you in two hours or you'll be out of here in two hours. Like it, that's just, there's a degree of disrespect. Like you don't, you're expected to be on time. If you go to a doctor's appointment, you're expected to be on time. If you go to the dentist or if you go to the haircut, why is it that drivers are expected to be on time? And I understand that shipping and, or I'm sorry, receiving and you know, loading, unloading takes time, but why is it that they're expected to be on time and they get two hours of free time? Yeah. And it's, 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 it's also crazy. If you go to the Verizon store and they give you that little, hey, come back in 10 minutes. You're like, oh, gosh, all right, 10 minutes. But if they said 30 minutes, you're like, oh, screw this place. I'm never coming here again. I'm like, I'm here. I'm going to go grocery shopping or something. It's ridiculous that I would stand around for 30 minutes. And that is part of the job for these guys, which is, and it's not as if you just woke up and did that. That is after I drove all day, sat in traffic all day, that's a tough day if you ask me. Yeah. Not to mention a lot of these facilities, they don't have restrooms for drivers. So you're stuck there for two hours and what are you supposed to do? Right. Right. Well, I know there's a lot of places trying to build lounges and say, you know, we're going to have Wi-Fi and you're going to have a little driver's lounge, which is great. That's better than nothing. It's better than what's, you know, previous. But that still pales in comparison to... <laughs> We were ready to unload you when you got here. It really does. It really does. Okay. So obviously, this is detention and dwell, bad for drivers, bad for carriers. Talk a little bit about why this is bad for shippers and receivers. Sure. So, and I'm going to talk of this in the sort of the global sense. So if I say shippers, I really mean both shippers and receivers. Yes. But the thing that really comes to mind with shippers and receivers is, you know, again, there's the, the first and foremost is just the direct cost, right? So you pay detention. Easily quantifiable most of the time, but easily quantifiable and is very easy to point to. It's a pretty significant cost, and that's the portion of the overall problem this is worth, which is about $100 billion. I'm saying that this is, you know, this whole dwell issue is a $100 billion problem. Did you say $100 million? $100 billion with a B. Whoa. And, you know, it's interesting for $100 billion, that's obviously a big problem that somebody should be addressing. I think that's what we're going to talk about in a minute. But in addition, just because we talked, it's probably worth two or three times that when you look at just kind of the dissatisfaction from drivers and carriers and shippers, and mm-hmm. you're just talking direct costs. It's at least twice that, if not three times that. 
yeah, I mean, to your point, we were talking earlier about the, the missed opportunity, the network level for carriers, you know, a thousand trucks and that probably tax on a billion dollars annually at a minimum. So, you know, on the shipper side, and I want to be clear too that that 100 billion that I'd referenced a moment ago, that's not just the cost of detention. Detention is a slice of that. It's still a meaningful slice, but it's a slice of that. The next thing that comes into play is that for a shipper, if you need to move however many loads per day out of that facility, that's a factor of the number of dock doors that you have and your cycle time for a truck, you know, your, your throughput on the number of trucks you can get in on your facility. If you reduce the amount of time that it takes you for loading and unloading, you can get more trucks through your facility daily, which means you can move more product in a smaller amount of space. So there's an implied real estate impact. There's an implied warehousing cost and labor cost. And then the last part of it too is, and this is really in vogue right now, considering the what the, the outbound tender reject index has been showing across the country and how hot the freight market is. But the last part of it too is that while there's so much freight relative to so little capacity in the marketplace in the truckload space right now, that means that carriers have an even greater choice of what freight they service and what freight they don't. And so if you are a facility that has all of these externalities that are associated, or if you're a shipper that has, you know, facilities that have all these externalities that again, Google reviews, GPS data, ELD data, all of that stuff that companies know about now. It is that much less likely that you're going to be able to get your freight moved without paying a pretty penny, you know, one serious premium in order to have your cargo moved. And so there's also that cost that's a component of it too. In that, you know, if, if you're not effectively, if you aren't cognizant of your vendors' needs and your vendors have a lot of choice, they will choose to work with other customers who help them to operate better by way of they can turn faster, their drivers like their facilities more, their drivers are happier, you know, and the list goes on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love this. So we've talked about this dwell in detention. It's a problem for carriers, problem for drivers, problem for shippers and the receivers. So Eric, talk about the solution. And first up, before you get into what Bataan IO is doing, talk about what big carriers are doing with this problem. Sure. So this is a, it's a really multifaceted problem. Obviously, everyone in the industry is aware that detention no one likes it, for lack of a better phrase, because it gets so much attention as a specific and direct cost. You know, it's pretty well understood that increased attention correlates to increased driver turnover. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of cost associated with that, not to mention that there's already a driver shortage. So when you look at how companies are attempting to address it right now, one of the big things I really love, by the way, is that, you know, a lot of it is transparency. You know, so now that the data is available, it makes it so you can share that data with your customers. If you're a major carrier, you can share that data with your customers and explain to them how this has an impact. There's a number of shippers out there that are putting quite a bit of, and you mentioned this too before, that are putting quite a bit of effort into making sure that, you know, their turn times are continuously decreasing, you know, and that they, I guess I should say that their cycle times are improving is the right way to say that. Right. So, you know, a lot of it comes from knowing that it's a problem and addressing it in the way that you would expect it to be addressed, which is directly and not through a unique innovative solution that addresses it directly, but is an entire sidestep from the sort of the, the mainstream methodologies of addressing these issues. Does that make sense? Yep. So get into the details about, I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about Baton IO and they have a solution, but I know big carriers, how are they dealing with this problem? I mean, I know you said some of them are kind of developing solutions to that. Sure. So the way that a lot of these big carriers are dealing with this is is actually in the same sort of way that Baton's dealing with it. So it's you know it's pretty timely that these are back to back questions. 
a lot of major carriers will have terminals. Actually, I should say like all major carriers have terminals across the country and stationed at those terminals, they'll have local drivers. And so those local drivers will be responsible for shagging trailers at, let's say, some of their facilities where their shipper facilities, where they may have had a couple of trailers dropped or a lot of trailers for that matter dropped or for doing live load, live unload freight. The challenge that comes with that is... I think people that are familiar with things like Q-theory, Q-management, and capacity management is that you might have one fleet in the same area as another fleet that is really busy, while that second fleet, for whatever reason, is not, which means that you end up having an overcapacity problem in one part of the, you know, one part, another network that's in the exact same geographic region, while you're short on capacity in another one. So then right. to roll that into the way Bataan is thinking about it is that, so we aggregate so we, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we break long haul trucking into two segments, right? So that first or final mile, and then there's the, the OTR, the over the road portion that our customers, major carriers will cover. So what we do is we have these yards across, let's say, for example, Los Angeles, where we will, you know, we have local fleets, the we dedicated local fleets, and they basically are responsible for, as our carriers, our carrier customer will drop trailers in our yards or pick up trailers from our yards, we're responsible for ferrying them to and from the final location or the beginning location again, shipper or receiver. Nice, nice. So why don't you just make it uh, clear? Why don't you give us an example of a shipment going from New York to LA? Sure. So we don't operate in New York yet. At some point, I'm sure that we will be. Well, give us give places you do operate. Well, so we do operate in LA. So in New York, what would happen? This is actually a great example because it shows the contrast between when we do work when versus when we don't work with a, a carrier of ours, a customer of ours. If one of our customers is, you know, is operating in New York, and let's say that they pick up a shipment, they're going to have, we work with a company that works with all team drivers, has all team drivers. They're going to have a set of team drivers that are going to go to a facility. And if it's a live load, they will show up. So you'll have two drivers that'll be waiting for at least two hours. So you're looking at the sum total, you've got four hours of waiting at least for, you know, free time too, for getting loaded. Those drivers then, once they're loaded and they leave that facility, they will drive all the way across the country to Los Angeles. So think of it, you've got, again, you've got that four hours total of wasted time. And that's at a minimum. That's not including, you know, the amount of time that they arrived at that facility before their appointment and they weren't compensated, but they couldn't be loaded yet. And so let's <laughs> nice. say that if they arrived there, if they arrived there three hours ahead of their appointment, at that point, you've got three hours times two for those two drivers. So you've got six hours plus the two drivers, two hours, excuse me, of loading, free loading time. For those two drivers. So you're looking at 10 hours of wasted time for that one pickup. You drive all the way across the country. And let's say again, it's another live unload in that scenario. Rather than those drivers going through the exact same thing, and let's assume in best case scenario, that's a you know, similar amount of time. So another 10 hours, they instead drop that trailer at a baton yard and our local fleets will handle that. Now, in that scenario, we've actually eliminated 10 hours of waste from one truck. So there's a pretty significant impact when you compare, again, it was a great example, Joe, when you compare, you know, what happens on one end versus what happens on the other when you're working with Bataan in terms of the amount of time that you're saving. So let me ask a question. So Eric, they drop it at your yard and your yard is somewhere in the Los Angeles area? Yeah. So let's take Fontana, for example. Let's say that the shipment's going to deliver to, there's a really, really big Costco facility in Mira Loma that we, you know, we frequent. Let's say that you know, rather than the driver landing and, and having to sit for a couple of days, sometimes because you'll be surprised how frequently, how early trailers will show up in our yard prior to an appointment. You know, rather than the driver sitting for a few hours or a couple of days, drivers really, because again, this is a, it's a team carrier, you know, that we will they'll instead drop it in our yard and then we'll handle that portion of it. And because we are working in a, let's call it a 20 mile radius max, we can be hyper precise with 
when we get to that shipper facility and when we don't. So that trailer will be in our yard. It'll sit in our yard. It'll wait until it needs to be pulled to make sure that we're on time for that appointment. And then we take it out of that yard. We deliver it. Because we're on time, we move faster. Because we hit facilities all of the time, we learn all the, the nuances and the, the various intricacies associated with what our facilities. We just move faster through facilities. We've compared data with our customers. We move faster through facilities. So even when you sort of consider, okay, well, you're just really robbing Peter to pay Paul. We're actually not. So when our carriers drop a trailer in our yard and we then go and deliver it, not only are we more efficient, but we then also don't have drivers waiting around. Right. So let me ask this. In this scenario where we talked about the guys from New York, they drop off at your yard, you guys deliver it. Does it cost? I mean, what is this a cost neutral cost? Is it extra cost? How much? Explain that. Sure. So we are paid. Our customers are major carriers. You know, so for example, one of our customers is, is CRST. We are paid by CRST. And what will happen is... They will, you know, they, and when we went through this whole ROI analysis, they, you know, they evaluated where the cost sort of benefit analysis comes from and, you know, and, and all of that jazz. And without getting into it, because that data is, unfortunately, data is proprietary, but right, without right. really getting into the nitty gritty to give you a sense as to the, the sort of the impact, a division president from that carrier had said that the cost is minuscule compared to the service increase that they've experienced, you know, and, and again, without getting into specific numbers, because it, it's just proprietary, the thing is that we took their service numbers from, you know, I would say like pretty normal, pretty standard for a major truckload carrier to 95% plus. And from that standpoint, it was magnitudes of a difference right. in terms of that service impact. And that impact alone, you know, means that they have much more friendly, strategic quarterly con- or even more frequent conversations with their customers it helps them to align their capacity, it helps them to plan their capacity that much better. So all things said and done, you know, the way that they're thinking of it is that the ROI is so clear that it would be a no-brainer. Right. It is a no-brainer to work with the time. The one thing that we've hit on throughout this is that there's a cost that's a direct cost that you can go, I can there's a hard dollar. And then what's well beyond that, but much bigger, is all the other costs that you can't put up an easy price tag on customer satisfaction, driver happiness, all those other things. So getting back to the the example, New York to LA, they drop it at your yard. You guys deliver that. I understand that. So these drivers, do they just go pick up their next load or go on their merry way? Or do they take that trailer? How's that work? That's a great question. So they go on their merry way pretty much, but that's because when, you know, when we work with our customers, we will already have had a load staged for them. So then rather than them having to go and, figure out where their next one is or even having to drive, you know, from Fontana to Compton, let's say, because that's that, you know, that alone is in the wrong time of day, a two, two and a half, three hour drive sometimes. That trailer is already going to be staged in, in some oh, locations. So you load them up. Right. So that means that each time that a driver that a I should say, or a truck really, because again, a truck can have more than one driver, each time that a truck hits our yard, the impact is effectively twofold. What's interesting about this to me is I'm just thinking, put my voice to be a driver and I'm leaving New York and I'm talking to my significant other and say, yeah, I think I'm going to pick up today at noon or eight o'clock tonight. Who knows, right? <laughs> I don't know when I'm actually going to get loaded. And then I'm going to drive to LA and then I'll be back on Monday or Tuesday. I'll be home at some point. That's not what we know. Most of us would say to our family or our significant other. Now, all of a sudden, the guy says, I'm going to get to LA at three in the afternoon, drop off, load. I'll be driving back out of LA, you know, five, six o'clock. 
he can actually know that as opposed to it being, who knows, I might leave Tuesday morning, you know, who knows, who knows when I'll get out of here. Yeah, that's exactly the case. You know, is, is we, not only is it that we help to reduce the, the time that's spent, the wasted time, just sort of faring to and from facilities and, you know, getting to your first appointment versus leaving your second appointment and all of the stuff we've mentioned in between that, you know, we've already talked about. We reduce all of that by way of having those two trailers staged exactly at our yard, right where the driver needs them. So that, you know, it takes maximum 45 minutes for that driver to turn and go again, compared to the two hours of free loading, unloading, plus the amount of time that that driver will get to a facility before their appointment. And so they're just going to sit unless there's another driver that can take over for them at some point. So I know you guys are startup and growing fast and LA is your first market. I'm dying to know where the next ones are. Have you announced those yet? So we haven't yet, but it is a great question. It's an interesting thing because it's obviously it's driven by our customers. And so, you know, we're in the process of evaluating it. I think that it's to give you a bit of a sneak peek, it's likely that we'll end up in, you know, one of the, the major hubs in right. the Midwest or in the Southeast. And I, could, I could guess. <laughs> there's only a few really that, you know, at that point really could be mentioned. So, you know, that's, that's where we're looking next. But, you know, in the meantime, what we're doing is we're focusing on the LA market. As you've mentioned, we're a startup. So, you know, we're, we're making sure that, you know, that we have things to be truly scalable and that, you know, we have things to be really sort of set in stone so that we're not compromising service when we expand to other markets as well. Because as I mentioned before, you know, the service is a, is a pretty significant impact, the increase in service. One particular customer that I'm really proud of, well, not this customer, but the service that we've provided this customer is, you know, we've delivered over 700, picked up or delivered over 700 loads for them. And there have been two misses in all of that, all of those orders. So, so you know, I think 99.7. So I know you've talked to some drivers. What's their reaction to this? So overall, it's been very, very positive. If you're talking about the drivers on the local fleet side that we work with, they love it. Those drivers have really enjoyed being a part of something that is not just the same thing that everyone else is doing. And because we're a technology company and because you know we have the chance now with starting a new company that we can redefine the way that we're going to engage drivers, you know, there's a different experience that those drivers have. You know, we we just we work very differently with those dedicated fleets in all sorts of ways. That would be its own podcast. And trust me, I could go on for hours and hours about that because it's something I'm really truly passionate about. On our customer side, the feedback that we've gotten from drivers who have been in our yard, you know, when they're long enough for us to even ask them a question, has been overwhelmingly positive. They love it. They're really only there if they want to be. And, you know, it keeps them moving. They're not dealing with all of the nonsense and the rigmarole that comes with the normal part of the day job. And because of that, it's been overwhelmingly positive for those drivers, which is great. That's exactly what we want to be hearing. You know, when I think of like the congestion in some major cities, you know, and I'm, you live in Chicago, I live in Detroit. Detroit's a little more spread out than Chicago and you guys are much, much bigger. But boy, sometimes the truck traffic outside and in, inside Chicago can be so significant. If you told me I could, you know, at some point drop off at a, a yard an hour out of Chicago, oh, that's a nice thing, especially come rush hour. I mean, where you can just get stuck for <laughs> hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, to that point, you know, when we think of LA, we really don't break LA. We don't really just pick one location in LA that we feel like we can service the entire city. We have multiple locations across the city that we, you know, that we support so that if you're picking up in Compton, we have a location that's compatible with that and, you know, makes it easy for that particular, you know, wherever you'll be picking up. If you're in Riverside, we have a Fontana location. If you're in Mira Loma, Fontana and so forth and so on. And Chicago would be the exact same. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't look to get a drop yard set up in downtown because, you know, as, as anybody right. that's in Chicago knows, there's not really a lot of truckload right in downtown. 
but instead we you know we would have one in Joliet. We may even have more than one in Joliet, depending on you know the, the geographic uh, sort of density and play out there. And we'd have one on the north side of the city, you know, near O'Hare and so forth. So to that point, part of the benefit here is you know by virtue of the way that we work, we can have many facilities that we support. And so rather than trying to manage an entire massive geographic area that you know, could be as spread out as Detroit, for example, you know we're able to instead pinpoint with uh, sort of a surgical precision where a trailer should land in order to make sure that it's the most efficient for everyone. Yeah, I, when I made that, I have family in uh, Milwaukee and lots of friends in Chicagoland. So I've made that trip a bazillion times and from Detroit. And when you get about 90 minutes out of Chicago, you look around and it is all truck traffic. It's like you're surrounded by giants. I mean, am I, Eric, I know you made the trip a million times too. There are so many trucks over there. It's, mm-hmm. you go, is, am I the only one driving a car today? It's, mm-hmm. so you could see how you could help so many drivers in that area. I don't know, but imagine at some point you'll be there, but what a great idea. I love this. And again, I, you know, which I, I really appreciate the kind words. And, and again, thank you very much for having me, Joe. The thing I think that that's the most important about all of this is obviously we believe that we have a solution, but more importantly is I think that it's, there needs to be someone. And again, you know, we're clearly stepping to the line, but there needs to be someone who's directly working to address this issue. As we had outlined at the beginning of the podcast, it's not only is it just massive and pervasive, but it's just, it's disrespectful to a cohort of the population that is as essential right now, especially as pretty much anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every, every other essential worker is waiting for this essential worker to do their, exactly. their job. <laughs> so, and they're using things that this essential worker brought to them. Right. So let me ask you a quick question about this. Can you work with anyone, any trucking company? That's a great question. So, you know, I'm the sort of person in my imagination starts to go to all the crazy things. I suppose we could. There's definitely some scenarios where it would be like it, it wouldn't have the nearly the same impact. And in some scenarios would actually be probably detrimental. I'm thinking like heavy haul where right. you've, you know, you've got really specialized drivers and skills and equipment. You know, that would be a different sort of scenario. But at least if you're talking to straight and narrow, so, you know, drive-in freight, refrigerated freight, teams, et cetera, high value, we do a lot of high value freight. You know, so far, we have not run into a scenario where it, it doesn't work. It, it just may be that for whatever reason, stars aren't aligned with that, that company we were discussing or we're talking to at that point in time. But that's, you know, that's a circumstance of individual operations and a couple of other things versus, right, right. you know, compatibility, truly. But more or less, you can work with any trucking company that has the problems we just described. So, mm-hmm. Eric, wrap this up for us. Give us a little summary of some final thoughts. Oh, yeah. So, again, this is detention and dwell especially specifically because that includes detention. You know, it's, it's well over a hundred billion dollar problem for the industry, which means that we don't just see it from an industry standpoint, but we see it in the prices we pay for literally everything. It's baked into those costs. If you buy, you know, a jug of milk, if you buy, you know, a thing of cookie dough, toys, whatever it might be, a new laptop, all have those costs incorporated into it because supply chain matters for all physical things. And so this issue just it, this issue of detention and dwell needs to be addressed. And so that's what we're really focusing on is doing that. And again, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of our podcast, our mission is no wasted time in trucking. And we do that by effectively operating as a long haul yard jockey, if you will, for our customers. And we divide a long haul truckload, a long haul truckload shipment into two segments, you know, again, the over the road, the OTR portion, and then the first or final mile that we then are the part for. And, and that's where we're the long haul yard jockey, if you will. 
Yep. I love that somebody is specializing in this problem. And as we all know, when somebody starts specializing in a problem, they get better and better and better at it. And uh, I have no doubt you guys will continue to make this better space. So Eric, talk to us about if somebody wants to know more about Baton IO. How do they reach out to you guys? Do you have any upcoming events or anything that we should know about? So that's a great question. So to learn more about Baton, you can go to our website, www.baton.io. You can email me. My email is eric, E-R-I-K, at baton.io. You can also, I think there's a, an info at baton.io. And then in terms of things coming up, we are, you know, as you'd mentioned, Joe, being a startup, we are so focused on our current grind, if you will. You know, so working with the customers that we have, onboarding some new customers and you know, making sure that we, you know, we put operations into a scalable position that we don't really have a lot of events <laughs> coming up. Right. You know, there's been, we actually have had to wait list some opportunities in a couple of different geographies. So there's been fortunately a, a tremendous amount of demand, which is why there haven't, you know, there aren't any sort of planned events. But nonetheless, if you go to any of those locations or email me, you can, you can find right. more information. I will add a link to Eric's LinkedIn profile and also links to Baton IO in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to them and I, I, what a great, what a great tool. Thank you so much, Eric, for sharing. I was excited. Thank it you was so exciting much for when me. I saw you went there and, I, and then I, when I saw Eric's update on his LinkedIn, I thought, Baton IO, what is that? And then when he told me, I was like, Oh my God, why didn't somebody do this already? Fantastic. I really like it. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. This is a great opportunity to talk about something that you know, I and the rest of the team are really passionate about. Oh, and well, you should be. Thank you so much, Eric. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com.